handprints on windows and whiskers on kittens, blood on the straw and haunted wooden mittens. everybody welcome back to witch fix today we're going to be talking about a movie that has sat on my to watch pile for a little while now i'm i'm kind of trying to plow through these at the moment this is a horror film i use that term loosely called curse of the witching tree which is from 2015 a certificate 15 and i think maybe involved about 15 people the the credits for this one were basically like written directing starring edited by one guy um, but it has surprisingly like good values uh, for what it kind of looks like a low budget production. Uh, so let's go into it, shall we? Uh, this is a movie with not too many trigger warnings. I am going to tentatively warn for suicide and infanticide, although you don't really see anything graphic. But there are some themes and discussion of same. We start the movie out with a black screen with some text on it, which is basically just about the Black Death, uh, that it killed a lot of people. And this led to a lot of fear and uncertainty, from which came accusations of witchcraft uh, and uh, executions. So um, that's sort of the mindset in which we begin the film. Uh, we see a couple of kids, like urchin types, gathered around a fire telling stories and these kids are never mentioned again. That they, they just appear in this one bit and then we have no idea who they are and we never see them again. But they're sitting around and they talk about the witch who was killed and that she left a curse on all children of that particular land um, because she was being executed as a witch. She was hanged because she would not burn or drown. They tell the story that she slit the throat of her own son, Ulrich, as well as all the pigs on the farm, and uh, therefore, you know, was sentenced to death for witchcraft. That the tree that she was hanged from causes children to get sick if they play near it, uh, and that blood came from her eyes when she was hanged. They then play a game to see which child's stick burns out the fastest and whoever's does has to go and touch the witching tree. And then we get the credits. We never see those kids again. So the result of that dare is unrecorded by history. We're told it's 500 years later and we're introduced to two women, one of whom is our main character or one of the main characters, whose name we will not learn for the longest time, but it's Amber, talking to, I guess, the lady who sold her this house because they're moving into this old house which is apparently on a farm and uh, she's being told by this lady oh you're so brave for going through with this have you heard anything from the hospital it's what he would have wanted um, we basically learn that her husband is currently in a coma and so she has moved herself and her two kids emma and jake into this farmhouse because they always said that they would move to a farm together and she's trying to make that life happen for when he wakes up of the two kids, Jake is the youngest, he's about 11, and his sister Emma is college age, so I guess like 17, 18, um, and we're introduced to them sort of as they move into the house. They're not pleased to be living there, they don't really seem to want to be part of farm life, 
and they were quite happy where they were and their dad is currently in a coma in hospital. The creepy stuff soon starts to happen because Emma sees a shadowy figure lurking by the gate. Um, this is kind of a thing that happens to Emma a lot. She'll see something and then see it again and then the next time she looks it'll be gone. She's also a fan of the double dream where it's like she sees something creepy upon waking up and then wakes up from that dream. You know the ones. The Nicolas Cage Wicker Man style of dreaming. Uh, so that happens to her quite a bit. We find out that Jake is being bullied and some of the kids who are bullying him are chasing him through the woods. I'm not sure why they're bullying him. They say he smells like poo because he lives on a farm and they also make fun of his dad being in a coma because obviously that says something about Jake, I guess. And I know kids don't need a logical like explanation to, to bully you, but... I feel like these are not the reasons that kids get bullied. But anyway, he's ostensibly being bullied. He hides behind a big tree, cuts his hand on it, and leaves blood on the trunk. And I guess this is the witching tree. We also see like a worm wiggling on the trunk, so I, I guess it's filled with evil. Emma manages to sneak her boyfriend Mike into the house despite not being allowed to see Mike because he once got caught with weed. So he's public enemy number one. Uh, they sneak in and make out on like the world's creakiest bed like it sounds like a pile of coat hangers that has been loosely taped together to form a bed it's so loud and then the mum comes in because she apparently heard someone say something and knows it wasn't jake because jake's asleep so she thinks that she heard noises coming from emma's room and emma's like nah you heard nothing and i'm like did you not hear like, the entire string quartet soaring away which is how creaky this fucking bed is. Anywho, Mike sees a creepy ghost child in the cupboard and bursts out in the middle of Emma assuring her mum that there's no one there. And then we get some great delivery of lines, which he's like, oh, there's something in there. And then there's like a 10 minute pause. And then the mum goes, yeah, you. There's quite a lot of awkward dialogue in the movie. It feels like they've chosen the longest and most convoluted way to say something. So while I will say that the majority of the acting is really good, the actual directing of it is pretty good. I liked a lot of the, the shots they did. It was very atmospheric. The actual writing of the dialogue leaves a little bit to be desired and it comes off as a little bit uh, convoluted and clunky and a bit kind of over-egged in places where there's just too much information being shoved at us too quickly. Emma goes to bed and does one of her double dreams where she wakes up in the woods and then wakes up in bed again. Uh, she goes downstairs and finds that Jake has sleepwalked into the kitchen. The next morning she finds blood on the straw in the pig pen. Uh, the pigs have like hurt throats, uh, I guess from like maybe attacking each other or maybe these injuries have spontaneously manifested to match you know, the pigs being killed in the original story. Jake is wandering through the woods, I guess on his way to school, when one of the bullies puts a black plastic sack over his head and drags him into the wilderness. That's not bullying. That seems like attempted murder, but okay. Uh, we get to see Amber confronting her husband's mum, because uh, basically her mother-in-law wants to switch him off and Amber wants to give him two more weeks, but that's what she always says. So clearly this is an ongoing situation. The bullies tell Jake that he smells like poo, but that if he can prove that he's all right, they won't pick on him anymore. And they tell him that his house was previously owned by a woman who poisoned her kids and then hung herself. So he should use one of the Ouija boards that belongs to like one of the cool kids brothers to contact the spirit at his house. And that will somehow prove that he shouldn't get bullied anymore. The logic is weird. 
Amber arrives home to talk to Emma, and this is another example of the weird dialogue because Emma says something. I'm like, this is not verbatim, but Emma says, "Did you take? Uh, did you talk to Nan about Dad today?" And the mum says, "No, she just dropped by to let me know that apparently she's the first female pope." And it's like I get that there's an attempt being made here at kind of sarcastic dialogue that sounds like somebody would actually say it, but this isn't really how people talk. <laughs> like. It's just phrased in a really odd way, and it just feels like a little bit forced. As do a lot of like the contemporary references that they make to different things. Like at one point, uh, Jake, on deciding to go out and do the Ouija board thing, goes, "Ugh, SpongeBob doesn't have to put up with this shit." And it's like, why would you reference SpongeBob? That's completely an irrelevant, incongruous thing to mention. Like it's not even anything to do with magic. Like there's no connection here. Why are you talking about it? Anywho, either the same day or later on, time periods are weird in this film. We don't really know when each night and day is occurring, but Amber goes to London and Emma goes off to college. So Jake and the bullies go to do the Ouija board in the barn. There are three boy bullies and one girl who just seems like a hanger on. They go out to do the seance and it's quite a tense moment because the, the Ouija board keeps saying the number nine. And that is apparently the age of the dead person. But that also there were other people who were murdered, that he died there and was murdered with a knife. So this is probably Ulrich, the witch's son. They then get jump scared by one of the kids. Um, one of the bullies is sort of circled back around the barn. They all then go into his house and start helping themselves to Jake's dad's stuff, which is gross. But also a lot of it's DVDs and the resale on those is it's not going to be great. Like, you're not going to get rich off this. But there we go. Uh, they also steal his dad's ring on a chain. I, I guess that's maybe his wedding ring. They then get sick of Jake being like, stop stealing my beer and my dying dad's possessions. They tie up him up and blindfold him and shove him in a sort of crawl space cupboard in a locked closet. Spooky shit starts going down in the house. We see a sort of boy who looks a bit like Jake, but with a burlap sack over his head, prowling around behind the kids um, hear some screaming and basically luring them into different parts of the house. At the same time, Emma and Mike visit her dad in hospital and he seems to wake up and says, Jake, house, house, um, which later gets written off as just nerves. I thought like nerves made your hand twitch, not made you speak when you were technically brain dead, but there we go. Creepy ghost hands reach for Jake and he's freaking out in the cupboard at the same time as one of the bullies called Tyler is being lured into a different part of the house, uh, the bathroom of one of the upstairs rooms. The other bullies go after Tyler because they hear him screaming and they find him with his throat slit in the bath and then turn around and see the sack boy figure hanging from a beam. So they cheese it real fast uh, and leave. The nurse talks to Emma and, and claims that, you know, it, it's just nerve twitches making her dad say words. And Emma and Mike decide to go home. They find Tyler, who is actually not dead. It was just an illusion. He's freaking out and has left the house. They then recover Jake from the crawl space where he got shoved and uh, call the police to talk to them about, you know, the bullying and the breaking and entering and the vandalism. We cut to some people we've never seen before. There's a woman wearing a blindfold doing a rune reading for someone who I thought was maybe Jake and Emma's nan, but... 
I guess was just a completely different woman because she keeps talking about her sister. But she's reading the runes and she starts talking about how the children are back and they're in a place named after a saint. So her and her sister decide to, I guess, go and get involved. Mike takes a big stick and goes looking around the farm for unknown attackers, but finds none. But there is a really nice shot here of like a handprint on some glass like fading away as we watch Mike through it. And I think one of the good things about this film is that it doesn't rely on CGI and effects and stuff that it probably didn't have the budget to do well, but it relies a lot on some of these more practical things like actual people standing behind people in the dark and sort of handprints on windows and whiskers on kittens, blood on the straw and haunted wooden mittens. It just looks pretty good and I think that's one of the things that they've managed to pull off really well. Emma relays the story about the woman murdering her kids and then herself uh, to their mum who looks it up and then says that there were no kids. They had already been taken away by the time uh, their mum sort of lost it and killed herself. This is not really mentioned again, so isn't that important. Jake then finds nine dead mice in a circle in the bathroom and a shape slithers into Emma's bed but then vanishes when she turns over to look at it. That's another thing the film does which kind of annoyed me. It just kind of stumbles from a scary thing to a scary thing. Like it's like, oh, mice on the floor, which Jake has found an unspecified amount of time later. There's a shape in the bed. It just kind of is like, okay, here's a scary thing. Here's a scary thing. And there is a huge amount of like plot or impetus taking you from one moment to the other, um, which did make the film feel like it was dragging, even though it's only an hour and 40 minutes long. Emma hears a noise from outside, which sounds like a fox barking, but like, on a loop and she goes outside to find that jake has been sleepwalking again uh they plan to start locking him in his room but nothing actually comes of this emma goes on a night out and gets drunk but when she returns the new cctv cameras which apparently just feed straight to the flat screen tv in the lounge for some reason just come on and it keeps zooming in on a spot in the hay bales of the barn which is decently creepy but when it gets really close to like a dark spot we just see some hands go over a woman's face in what is obviously a different shot as opposed to anything actually you know in the hay bales or something happening there so a lot of tension but the payoff isn't really worth it the number nine then comes up and then the tv goes blank jake then gets stalked by some weird thing he goes around the house looking with a torch and sees weird shadows when the torch starts flashing on and off it's like another horror set piece like the thing with the tv and the mice and the bed nothing really comes of it emma finds that jake has been looking at the witching tree website which gives all of the history of the witch so she's now fully up to date on this whole witch thing jake then sees a creepy kid in the woods and follows him because he has no self-preservation instincts. But when he does, he finds his dad's ring on a chain hanging from the tree. So it's like the ghost child has given it back. He then finds a circle of very small flint stones marked with white X's. Nine of them arranged in a little circle. He goes to get Emma and her and Mike dig it up. And they find a big, big knife wrapped in a piece of sackcloth and buried. So logically, they take it home and hide it under Emma's bed, the safest place in the house. Jacob then complains that he's feeling ill, but his mum ignores it. And then later they find Jake unconscious on the bathroom floor and have to, you know, rush him to bed or hospital 
unclear. Emma goes to church to talk to a handy priest who's going to blow this shit wide open about how she thinks that demons are trying to hurt them or something to do with the witch. And then the priest enlightens her that there were nine plague children who disappeared. Presumably they bled to death, is what Emma says. And that they're recorded in the church book with an upside down crucifix beside their names. We're never told what this means, but the upside down crucifix is a creepy thing that appears in blood in several instances throughout the film. I guess because it's a creepy symbol, but without it being actually tied to anything, it, it doesn't really have a huge amount of meaning. The priest then says another local boy was once made sick after going into the woods and presumably playing by the witching tree. His name was Nathan, and he sends Emma to the sightless psychic and her sister. Try saying that two times fast. Um, the psychic is called Eva, and her sister is just called Sister, because... I don't think we ever learn her name. But they apparently managed to, or at least witnessed, the healing of this boy through witchcraft, or maybe it was an exorcism. They use the two interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. They're told by Eva's sister that it was Eva's nan who did the ritual to save him, but she died in the attempt, and Eva saw what happened, and then her eyes came out, or something happened, but now she's blind. Emma then has like a little kind of meet up with them and later tries to convince her mum to allow Eva to come and help. Their mum is firmly against it until Jake starts vomiting blood and has to be taken to hospital, at which point she's like, you know what, let's just chance it. While Jake's at hospital, Emma takes a spooky bath so that a hand can grab her and then she can get dragged under the water by a spirit, because that's another kind of horror set piece that we're doing in this movie as well. It's also another double dream because she wakes up and then wakes up. She calls Mike over and they decide to try and do the Ouija board thing, but actually say goodbye this time, which Jake neglected to do, which is apparently why all this is happening. Except it's not because it was already happening before he played with the Ouija board and they don't do the goodbye thing anyway. They just have another seance and then leave. So, so there we go. They don't even learn anything from this seance, really. They use the knife as a planchette, which is unwieldy and inaccurate, and they gather that they're speaking to Ulrich, the dead boy, but that's basically all that happens. They go back to the house, like, literally, they have this seance, they get scared, and then we just cut back to the house, where for some reason they have separated, just so that Mike can go and find Emma when she screams because she's found a bloody O written on the mirror. It, again, it's just sort of weird and makes no sense and it's unclear how much time is passing between these shots, but anyway, it's day now. All the cameras apparently went off at once, so they don't have any footage of if anyone got into the house to leave the O. Amber, the mum, is still not really buying any of this psychic witch exorcism stuff, which uh, neither do I really, it's been poorly explained. But she goes to see Tony, he says Eva in his sleep, and apparently that's enough to convince her that Eva must be telling the truth. So Eva and her sister are brought in. She is wearing, like, literally, she's bird boxing it up with this black blindfold. Again, hard to say but also wearing a black dress, a black cloak, and using a full-on branch as a walking stick. So it's like, if you want people to take your warnings seriously, maybe don't come along like you're laughing that you're on your way to Middle Earth. But uh, there you go, she shows up. Emma gives her the knife, and she starts doing communications with spirits, that there are in fact ten of them, and the tenth is Ulrich, the witch's son. 
Uh, Eva then accidentally cuts herself on the knife and says that the knife has a terrible secret, but more on this later. We see that Iza has been written on the wall, I-Z-A. I don't know what this means. Is it meant to be the beginning of Isabel, which is the name of the witch? Because it hasn't been spelled with a Z anywhere else we've seen it. Like, we saw it on the website page and it was spelled with an S, so... Unclear what that means. Or maybe it just means your eyes are gonna get ripped out. Huh? Huh? I'm sorry. Anyway, they do another seance, but with Eva there this time and, and the mum participating, they're told, you know, the usual jazz, don't break the circle, we're opening the gate, etc, etc. Uh, meanwhile, Mike babysits Jake upstairs. They ask the spirits about the knife and Sackboy appears behind them. The children then start to speak through Eva and her eyes start bleeding, which is decently creepy. I liked it. We find out the big secret here is that the church or a priest from the church actually killed Ulrich so that he could have uh, Isabel blamed for witchcraft and thereby claim her property, which is something that happened in the witch trials. Like it was a way to get hold of people's property uh, and the people who like prosecuted the witches did benefit from that. So I bought that. But it feels like this revelation goes unremarked upon and in the light of it, the creepy stuff that's about to happen doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I'll come to that in a minute. So apparently because of all that happening, the non-witch now comes for the children and or the land. I couldn't work out if it was comes for the children of the land or comes for the children or the land or and the land. Something about both. There are no subtitles on this disc. Amber then stops the seance and says she's had enough and orders them out. Uh, while outside ostensibly getting some air, Eva knocks her sister on the head and runs off with her branch stick, leaving a trail of blood behind her. Mike also takes Jake from his bed and carries him away. Eva's sister makes it inside and everyone discovers that the knife is gone and deduces that Eva means to sacrifice Jake. Unclear as to why. Eva removes her blindfold and we see that her eyes are actually sewn shut, kind of like the sack boy mask. Uh, and then Emma, Amber and Eva's sister make it outside to find that Mike is dead. Again, no one really grieves for Mike. He just disappears from the movie. Uh, and they rush into the barn where Eva is going to stab Jake with the big knife. When Eva turns around, however, she now appears to be a completely different woman entirely with different coloured hair, which... I guess it's like a metaphor or just a visual representation of her being possessed by Isabel. Isabel waves her hand, blinds Eva's sister, uh, and then when Amber tries to shoot her with a shotgun, makes her cough up blood. She then proceeds to try and strangle Emma. Jake comes out of his weird trance coma because he sees his dad and regains the ability to wake up. He gets up, stabs the witch, who falls down and turns back into Eva. And then she appears to die on the ground and Eva's sister smiles because in her vision she can see Eva with all of the Sackboy children in the forest. So that means something, I guess. And then the nurse checks Tony's pulse in hospital and covers him with a sheet. So I guess their dad's dead now. That's the first of several endings that this film has because it then goes on for like another 15 minutes with all of the following shit happening. I don't think it needed to. It just needed like... One follow-up scene where they accept the loss of their dad, maybe have a funeral, and that's it. But instead, all of this stuff happens. So Jake wakes his mum up with a cup of tea, and she says, oh, everything's fine now, we're all going to be okay. 
Then we get a news item that says Eva was found guilty in inquest for attempted murder. And I feel like they don't rule on you as being innocent or guilty if you are dead. I could be wrong about that. Like, I think maybe they would have an inquest to find out, you know, what the fuck went on. But it feels like this is weird and maybe think for a moment that maybe Eva wasn't dead because I feel like they, again, don't assign guilt to dead people or if they do it's not really worth reporting on like something just felt weird to me about this whole bit but she definitely is dead they then go to attend another seance this time held by eva's sister who now has the blindfold on because she is the psychic one they do this whole seance thing where they say goodbye to their dad which takes way longer than it should like they all say goodbye and everyone keeps being like, oh, he's passed on, it's wonderful, and he's gone, but he's not forgotten, and he will never be far from our minds, and on and on and on for five minutes. They then leave, like, the film keeps going. Uh, they leave the house, and when Eva's sister closes the door, there's, like, a weird cloaked figure behind her, and she's like, Eva? But neither confirmed nor denied if that is her sister or not. We then go back to Jake and the rest of the guys. He's asleep. His mum, like, turns the light off, but when she does, she sees the sack man standing behind him. Flips the light back on, sack man, no, they're normal. So, everything must be fine then. Shuts door and leaves. Emma then goes to have a shower, and she sees that Isa has appeared in the shower steam on the cubicle door. And then I guess maybe she and Jake get murdered. Unclear movie end. So I feel like there was some good stuff in there. I've already said that I found, like, the decisions made about where and when to use effects and what to do were pretty good. The directing is also really nice. Like, you get a feel of how bleak and empty this farm is. There's a lot of good shots of, like, water dribbling over the broken roof and a lot of, like, the lighting and the candles and all of that stuff. It looks really good. It looks like a much more expensive film than I think it was. I think the thing that lets it down really is the writing of the dialogue which in a lot of places it just feels uncomfortable and clunky and also some of the acting I would say that I think the best actors in it are the girl playing Emma and the woman playing Eva's sister and they're not like the main parts so that's unfortunate but I think that you know they're, they're doing okay no one's really like terrible but there are just some people where you're like, you're acting and I can see that, if that makes sense. The plot also didn't make a huge amount of sense to me. It feels like two movies pushed together. So there's like a movie about an evil witch killing people, which is how it starts and how it ends. And then there's the movie where there's a twist and the witch isn't actually evil. I feel like if you're going for that angle, the witch can't be the bad guy at the end of the movie. Because if she was falsely accused of killing children and of being a witch and therefore wronged why is she taking her anger out on exactly the people that she didn't kill before why not on the priest so i kind of was expecting it to be like the cameras had been going off because a lot of the stuff that had been happening was the priest once again trying to scare them off the land so he could get it but that didn't happen so it kind of feels like we're, we're muddling these plots together and it's like well the witch isn't evil she didn't actually kill children, but now she's mad that you said she did, so she's going to kill your kids. That being said, I've definitely watched worse films. Uh, I probably wouldn't watch it again. It did feel like it didn't need to be as long as it was. Maybe cut half an hour from it. 
because it did drag on a little bit. Mainly because a lot of the plot was just non-existent. We got a lot of exposition at the beginning, there was events at the end, but the midsection was just go into a room so something scary can happen, so we can cut to a different character on what may or may not be the same day or night where something else creepy is happening to them. And a lot of the creepy stuff was creepy stuff that I've seen done in other films. That is not just a critique of this film. A lot of horror movies just follow the same pattern. It's just like people go in room, find dead animal. People go in room, find bloody writing on mirror. People hear a noise, go outside, see a shadow, go back inside. It's very formulaic and I felt like maybe it didn't really do enough to kind of reinvent a lot of the scares that it was relying on. So... That was a little bit unfortunate, but it was an okay watch. I would put it maybe sort of the mid to lower end of the spectrum of films that I've looked at. Uh, but what it kind of lacks in the originality of the plot and a little bit of the confusion of that plot, it slightly makes up for with its cinematography, which was quite nice to look at. If you've got any other films that you'd like me to take a look at, don't forget to drop a recommendation in the YouTube comments on the YouTube version of the podcast, or email me because sometimes I check that. You can find all the information that you need to do so in the description box for this episode, and in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.